I'm the best in the world at what I do. I've been the best since day one. On this microphone, in the booth, in my bed, I live it. I breathe it. I am it. Welcome to the Soldier. What up, people? Welcome to another edition of the Salty Thoughts of Donnie Ooh podcast, featuring the one and only Donnie Ooh. Best of what, what he does. Yeah. I'm going to start this episode by letting y'all know what's on tap this week. This week, after. Uh, a little consideration due to my time allotment to do what I want to do. I'm going to bless the masses once again with two episodes, not one, but two episodes, because this episode was supposed to be Donnie's second annual NBA half-ass, well, second annual half-ass NBA preview. Which y'all still getting. Y'all just not getting on this episode. Because similarly to what happened in my second annual Donnie's half-ass NFL preview. I did not want this shit to go about two and a half hours. And as much as I title it half-assed. I'm only going to be a little bit half-assed. Not full-assed. (laughs) So, this is how it's going to go down, these two episodes. This episode that is marinating in your ear right now, I'm going to to give y'all pretty much my regular episode for the week. I'm going to talk about the New York football giants, the G-Men, and their pathetic loss this past Sunday, against the Los Angeles Rams. I'm going to talk about this past Sunday's versus battle between the smooth operator, Kane Asiatic, nobody's equal, Big Daddy Kane, and the teacher, KRS-One. I witnessed it, I watched it, and I'm going to give my breakdown on who won, who I thought was going to win, 
and the surprises and disappointments that happened throughout that three-hour extravaganza. And I'm going to give y'all another installment of Donnie doesn't know what the hell he's doing, a.k.a. my fantasy recap for the week. That's what's going to go on in this episode. And then next episode, which I will be dropping on Friday. So uh, follow, like, subscribe, and all that good shit so you won't miss any time I drop. Friday, y'all will get your half-assed NBA preview. So yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty much going to be the format for this week in these another double edition week of the Salty Daughter Donnie Ooh. If y'all couldn't tell, once again, I'm taking it back to the essence. You know what the essence is? The essence is my car studio. You want to know why? You want to know why? Because I felt like it. That's why. <laughs> I know I'm sounding real hostile. And tell you the truth, I'm in a pretty damn good mood. Surprisingly, because I got a lot of bullshit going on in my personal life. But that's neither here nor there. So, yeah. Donnie's actually in a pretty good mood. Now, before I get this episode up and running, I do have to make a short announcement to any new listeners that jumped upon the that jumped upon the flagship. The title of this podcast is The Salty Thoughts of Donnie O. That's what the name of this podcast is, and that's exactly what the fuck y'all get. Y'all get my thoughts salty as hell. I try to be as accurate as possible. I try to be as unprofessional as possible. I just try to give y'all me, Dottie. That's who I try to give y'all. That's what I try to give y'all. So there's some weeks that, yeah, I, I don't really have a particular avenue that the Salty Daughter to Donnie will cover. I talk about sports, I talk about politics, and I talk about life in general. For a more in-depth description of what this podcast is, I refer y'all to the first ever episode entitled the preview episode of the Salty Daughter to Donnie Ooh. That'll give you a nice brief description of what this podcast is about. To, as longtime listeners know, they rock with me. And I rock with y'all. And I appreciate each and every one of y'all. There are ups and downs. There's ebbs and flows. But at the end of the day, I give y'all me. Totally unfiltered. Totally uncensored. And totally not safe for work. That's what this podcast is. I thought about it. I'm like, you know what? I'm about 70 some odd episodes into this. And, uh, you know, I might time and again, you know, once in a while, you know, uh, let y'all know what the mission statement of this podcast is. But then at the same time, I do have to realize that each and every week there's a potential new listener 
to my crazy ass. So not to scare them off, I got to let them know what they're really about to get themselves into. So, yeah, I think that's about it for the intro. So like I said, this episode, regular episode, talking about the New York football giants. This past Sunday's versus between KRS-One and the Big Daddy Kane. Oh, yeah. And by the way, I'm just letting y'all know. I was born and bred, born and raised in Brooklyn. So y'all should already know where my allegiance lies. And finally, last but not least, another installment of Donnie Doesn't Know What the Hell He's Doing, a.k.a. my fantasy football recap. That's what's on tap this week. And, um, yeah. So, without further ado, let's get this shit on the road. Good night, and goodbye. Bang! Well, leading off this week, being the fact that my J-E-T-S Jets, 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 we're on a bye week. I guess that now is my focus down when it comes to talking about the NFL to the G-Men, the New York football giants. And what did they do this last weekend? They totally embarrassed themselves. They got blown out against the Los Angeles Rams. And it, and I don't know what the score was. I'm not, I think it was 38-15, something to that effect. It wasn't even that close. I am going to be fully transparent. I only saw the first half of the game. But tell you the truth, that's all I needed to see was the first half of the game. I believe at the first half, or, by, or should I say by halftime, the score was 31-3. 31-3. to Yeah. They gave up 28 points in the second quarter alone. Do you know that the Giants actually led this game at 1.3-0? Their first drive... They drove right down the field with Kadavius Tony showing out on that first drive for three catches for, I believe, 37, 38 yards before he tweaked his ankle and was out for the rest of the game. And pretty much that was his, that was the Giants' offense. From that point on, they had no semblance of an offense. Daniel Jones was responsible for four turnovers. Three interceptions and one fumble. Not counting the fumble that they actually recovered. There was a there was a, a play where Daniel Jones gets sacked from the back, coughed it up. The ball landed right in the belly of the offensive lineman, and the offensive lineman felt looked like they was in quicksand and could not cover the ball for recovery. Two of those turnovers. Landed the Los Angeles Rams in the red zone. And with a prolific offense such as the Rams, you cannot give them a short field. You cannot give them 25 yards to score. And both of those opportunities, they cast in like the pros that they are. I was watching this game with a previously unmentioned member of the family. So shout out to Brother Bake. A very loyal Giants fan 
And if actually, <laughs> it actually amused me to see his bewilderment of why I was <laughs> I was cheering every giant mistake. <laughs> He's looking at me like, yo, yo, bro. Like, yo, where, where this came from? I'm like, yo, my man, my man, my man. Listen, listen, bro. This is what's going on. So I told him. And then I also told him that I'm like really heavily invested in fantasy football right now. So being the fact that I knew that the Giants were going to do giant shit, you know I picked my man Cooper Cup, right? <laughs> Don't worry, I ain't going to talk about the fantasy football shit until the end of the podcast. But that was really my reasoning behind actually watching the game intently besides the fact of you know uh coming up with material for my podcast so uh yeah cooper cup i think he gave me like 37 points just based on going against the giants defense i was like all right so every time the, the rams had the ball and i see them throwing the ball to henderson Throwing the ball to Woods. I'm like, no, no, no. Dude, the ball to Cup for a touchdown. I'm like, yeah. My, bro my brother's looking at me like, yo, like, what happened? Like I said, that's why I had to let him know. So, now, the Giants are one in five for, I believe, the fourth out of the last five years, they started one in five. Their head coach, Joe Judge, this is his second consecutive year of starting one in five. I was listening to the Michael K show this past Monday, and Don LaGreca, one of the hosts of the show, went on a rant, went on a very pointed rant because he's a big, huge Giants fan. And even he had to admit, why do the Giants be treated as if they're some type of deity? Because they're one of the pillars of the NFL. No, 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 no. Wellington Mara was a pillar of the NFL. Ernie Corsi was a pillar of the New York Giants. Jerry Reese, yes, yeah, he has two Super Bowls to his credit, but a lot of those players, and this breaks my heart to say because I'm all for African Americans. No, fuck that. I'm all for black individuals doing their thing in the NFL. But a spade is a spade. Pardon the pun. Those two Super Bowls that Jerry Reese is accredited with were built by Ernie Corsi. Now, also, holding them in the same standing as the Pittsburghs and the Kansas Cities, and even though the Chicago was one of those pillars, even though they've hit rough times in recent years, the Giants was always placed amongst them. And like I said, the last 10 years. Matter of fact, what made this past weekend's game so embarrassing 
so disgusting was the fact that during halftime, they were actually celebrating the 10-year anniversary of their last Super Bowl victory. While being down 31-3. They even brought out, they even dusted off Tom Coughlin's old decrepit ass to give them a rah-rah speech at halftime. They ended up going nowhere. So. What are they to do? The last interception I saw, and this was actually, I think, in, the, in, in which in the second half. But the last interception I saw, matter of fact, it probably was in the first half. Regardless, the last interception I saw that Daniel Jones threw, Sterling Shepard slipped on his brake during his route, fell down, and the ball was intercepted. And you just see Sterling Shepard just on the floor. He's beating the floor like a like he's having a tantrum. Like fuck. Daniel Jones gets the shoulder shrug like he's mini Eli without the rings. And yeah, and it was just downhill from there. Right now, the Giants, I believe, besides Sterling Shepard, are down to their fifth and sixth wide receivers. They're down to their second and third running backs. And their offensive line is still a mash unit. And they lost Andrew Thomas this past week. I believe for the game, if I'm not mistaken. If he, if he came back, he must have came back after I left out for my shoot job. So like I said, the Giants are 1-5. I don't even know who they go against this week. I believe, they, matter of fact, they go against the Carolina Panthers. They go against my old quarterback, Sam Donald, who I will talk about at a later time. Not this week, because I just don't feel like talking about it. But, yeah, the bubble has popped off, off Sam Donald. Or Donald. How the fuck you wanted to pronounce it? You know, this feels so good. I mean, I, yeah, I'm going on a little tangent, but this feels so good. You hear the background? Do y'all hear the background? Y'all hear the train in the background? Y'all hear the y'all hear the y'all hear the cars going back and forth. You hear the you hear the life of the city, the life of the street. <laughs> I swear, I, I, I'm not gonna lie. I'm, I miss I miss doing this shit in my car studio. I mean, it's not probably gonna be a regular thing. It's probably gonna be a once in a, once in a blue thing. But I do miss recording it here because I get to show my ass in all my glory, and nobody can see me. And I'm fully no. Nah, let me stop. But yeah, back to the back to the topic. What's going? What, what, what are the Giants going to do? I can tell you what they're going to do. Absolutely fucking positively nothing. I was actually going to do a little pump fake. I was just going to get on this segment and say, you know what? Yeah, the recap for the Giants. The Giants suck. Beep. <laughs> but I'm like, eh, nah, that's a little bit too harsh. Because like I've repeated time and time and time again, I have no dislike for the Giants. Yeah, I know my demeanor. I know the way I talk about them and review them. It's totally contradictory. Contra it's totally, it totally contradicts how I feel. But I really have no hate toward the Giants. And I'm just so happy that more and more people are holding this organization accountable for the bullshit that they put their loyal fans through when they talk about giants nation when they talk about big blue nation 
I'm not gonna lie. Y'all ride for your teams, and, and, and for the most part, your team has given y'all ample reason to ride with them the way that y'all do. But when they suck, when they stink, they need to be called out for it. Because for the last 10 years, and I'll probably say this many, many a times over before the end of this season, for the last 10 years, they've made the playoffs once. And that, and that year actually was a fucking mirage. They had a lockdown, shutdown defense, and they had Odell Beckham who could break a fucking slant. That was all their, that was their team in a nutshell. A lockdown defense and Odell breaking shit on a slant pattern. And they won 11 games that year. But that's the only season they were ever above 500. Do you know that since 2017, the Giants actually have a worse record than the Jets? I believe the Giants are 19 and 41 since since 2017. And if the Giants are 19 and 41, then the Jets are probably 21 and 39. Something to that effect. So I guess for the last four years, yeah, I can actually look down upon the Giants. Yeah, I know during the history, yeah, I'm looking up at four at four fucking trophies, five appearances in the in the playoffs. I mean in the Super Bowl. But we're talking about recent history here. Last four years. You know? Like a fucking presidential term. And uh shit. If the Giants were up for election for the president, for the president presidency of the United States. They would be getting voted out like Mr. Orange. <laughs> Which is kind of fucked up for me to even draw that parallel. Because if anybody has a close association to Mr. Orange, it's actually my team, Gang Green. Because their owner was a fucking ambassador for Mr. Orange to the United Kingdom. But it's not election time, so I ain't going to talk about politics. At least right now. Not now. But yeah. So they go So they go against Carolina. I don't know if it's at home. Matter of fact, there's another stat. There's another stat. Because I'm doing this shit off the, off the top of the head, on the fly, without my fucking patented notes. Because I left my notes at home, actually. And, uh, you know, it's kind of hard to look at notes and record on the device that I'm recording on right now. But fuck it. This one I stored in the memory. The Giants, the last four years, are 9 and 26 at home. 9 and 26 at home. So when Leonard Williams gets in front of the podium or gets in front of the fucking Zoom conference call and calls out the Giants fans because y'all had the audacity to boo such the fucking putrid product they're putting on the field. That's why your boy Donnie brings accountability when it comes to the motherfucking New York Giants. Because y'all fans, your fan base, 
deserves much better than what the fuck they've been getting over the last four or five, matter of fact, the last 10 years. Deserve much better. I actually get pissed off at myself for being pissed off about a team that I have no connection and no loyalty to. But I do this because I care. I do this because I care. I truly do. I swear, even though this is recording, you can see the crocodile tears coming out of my eyes. <laughs> like I said, I'm, I'm, I, when it comes to the Giants, for anybody who does not understand what I'm doing, or my uh, outlook on them. I'll just tell y'all, when it comes to the Giants, Donnie is on some bullshit. But, I have a reason to be. Like I said, I do this for y'all. I do this all for y'all. Now, but what, what's going to happen at the offseason? I don't know. Are y'all going to go back on the coaching carousel? Are y'all going to give Joe Judge another another shot? You're going to let him actually coach out his contract? See if he could pull a rabbit out of his ass? I know y'all got to get Gettleman out of there. Yeah, Dan sure got to get Gettleman out of there. Because the source of what's going on now can be traced back to them drafting Saquon Barkley Who's out with another ankle injury? Drafting Saquon Barkley, number two overall in that year's NFL draft, where you had an abundance of quarterbacks that was available that probably were better than Daniel Jones. And you can't tell me that Gettleman just had the foresight to say, well, you know, there's this guy, this guy named Daniel Jones out of Duke University that's a great quarterback that I got my eyes on, so I'm going to bypass all these fucking quarterbacks in this draft and then I'm going to wait until next year until he declares for the draft and I'm going to draft him y'all bypass Sam Donald y'all bypass Josh Allen y'all bypass well hope probably luckily for y'all Josh Rosen y'all bypass Lamar Jackson at least for all the warts and all the things you can say about the Jets. Yeah, we fucked him up when he had him, but we picked him. We picked Donald. Who knows? Maybe things would have been different if y'all would have picked Donald. Maybe instead of being 2 and 14, 3 and 13, 4 and 12, maybe y'all would have been 7 and 9. Maybe y'all would have had some false hope. Now y'all got. A quarterback who was actually making somewhat strides, but now he's going to probably revert to his turnover pro raise because he has no weapons around him and he's going to feel the immense pressure of being the quote-unquote leader of a 1-5 in five team. Change going to come. Change going to come. How soon? Who knows? But change is definitely going to come. You know, after careful deliberation, I made the executive decision to uh, 
combine this week's installment of Donnie doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Normally, this installment is kind of turned into my little fantasy, my fantasy recap, my fantasy focus, so to speak. Not this time. Nah. I'll give that toward the end of this segment. This segment is actually going to be my versus recap. Yeah. The verses that happened this past Sunday between Big Daddy Kane and the teacher, KRS-One. And uh, before I get into the recap and explain, or should I say, give y'all substance of why this is actually going, this is actually the installment of Donnie doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Who's ready for story time with Donnie O? Are y'all ready? I think y'all ready. And why is this person crossing the street? Anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm still in my car studio and I'm actually on the move. Huh. Anyway, story time with Donnie O. Big Daddy Kane was, I believe, the fourth rap tape cassette yeah, I'm showing my age, but it's not a secret anymore. Big Daddy Kane was the fourth cassette that I ever purchased. Matter of fact, yeah, forget whether it was rap or not, but his cassette, it's a Big Daddy thing, was the fourth cassette I ever purchased. I was introduced to, matter of fact, I won't say introduced to because I probably heard a lot of rap and didn't really know that's what it was at the time. I just knew it was, yo, these motherfuckers can rhyme. So, my first ever rap purchase was DJ Jazzy Jeff in the Fresh Prince. He's the DJ, I'm the rapper. I bought that, I want to say... 6th, 7th grade and that was my tape and I played that from front to back back to front all over and over and over again until it popped but that was just the tip of the iceberg when I got to 8th grade now in between 7th and 8th my mom and I moved to uh, Buffalo for about six months, Buffalo, New York, home of Griselda, home of Benny the Butcher, and Conway, and West Side Gun, you know, them boys. And I was on the south side of Buffalo, too, right outside the Fruit District. Yeah. Natives of Buffalo, they'll know the Fruit District. And I'm quite sure the Fruit District is just as grimy now as it was back then. But I digress. Anyway, so in eighth grade, I came back to New York, came back to the city, came back to B Brooklyn. And um, there was a new thing when it came to hip hop. When it came to hip hop releases, there was a new thing that just enticed all the 
preteens such as I. And that new thing was called a parental advisory sticker. Now, technically, this sticker was supposed to prevent minors such as myself from purchasing these records. And or was supposed to alert the parents that this might be material that you don't want your child to see. But it was conveniently only placed on rap releases. It was a whole big old campaign headed by C. Dolores Tucker saying that the rap music was corrupting the youth of America. That's a story for a later date. Because it's not part of my story. Anyway. So, Christmas time, you know, like I said, I'm a preteen, 12, 13, well, 13 years old. And I'm like, you know what, you know, for Christmas, the days of toys are starting to be long gone. You know, give me a couple video games. Nintendo was out. Give me a couple Nintendo cartridges. And I started deep my deep dive into music. And um the first three cassettes that I purchased with the sticker are the following. Kwame. Yes. Author of the rhythm. I watched that video every day on Video Music Box every night the times that I had cable on MTV when they actually play videos. It was just something about Kwame's flow and that fucking beat and I was I was just hooked. And you know, and the polka dots and the and the haircut didn't help either. Well should I say they hurt. The second purchase was a white group straight out of Queens by the name of Third Base. And their debut cassette album whatever they wanted to call it the cactus album step into the am what's the top yeah i listened to that one front to back back to front and it was very vulgar for its time but uh that was part of the appeal to me and also, it's just a novelty to see these two white dudes actually rap. MC Search, Prime Minister Pete Nice. They actually rapped. Actually rapped with an edge. It just, you know, fascinated me. But last but not least, since he is... The subject at hand was Big Daddy Kane's It's a Big Daddy Thing. 
like I said, we're eighth grade. You know, you're about to graduate uh, middle school. Well, we call it middle school now. We call it junior high school. I went to 390 in the Heights. All my 390 heads stand up. So, you know, which called uh, junior high school when you first start getting your first little prom, right? Now, I'm not a dancer. Never, never proclaimed myself to be a dancer. But I'm like, look, if I'm going to this prom, this probably be the last time I see any of these shorties ever again. I've been with the majority of these classmates of mine since third grade. So, uh, you know, gotta gotta make a lasting impression, right? So, me and my dude, he was a dance extraordinaire. So I would go over to his crib after school, and I won't say get quote unquote dancing lessons, but pretty much he would show me the ins and outs and give me like the approval, like yo, that shit look corny, or yo, you know, you getting there, or pretty much my goal was just not to embarrass myself. And I had one move. And really, one move only. And at that time, remember, this is 89, going into 90. So that's the running man time. Then you had the running man where you start and then you stop. So we had two songs we used to listen to and dance to. One was Treat Him Right by Chub Rock, Rock. And the other one was Warm It Up, Warm It Up K by Big Daddy K. Warm It Up K. Ooh, yeah, yeah, ooh, yeah, yeah, ooh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Also around this time, I I won't say I was introduced to KRS-One because you know I, I I heard the bridge is over. Didn't know exactly what it was, but I heard the bridge is over. I remember my philosophy. My philosophy used to be the video used to be on. Video Music Box, once again, if you're from Brooklyn, well, if you're from New York, regardless, Tri-State, it used to come on Channel 31, 3.30 in the afternoon. So you get out at 3, everybody used to rush home to be home by 3.30 to watch Video Music Box to see their favorite videos. And one of the videos that was reoccurring on that, they played every day, My Philosophy. And if it wasn't My Philosophy, guess what, it, guess what else it was? I, I, I don't hear y'all. I don't hear y'all. I can dig it. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Time to set it. Time to set it straight for 88. You know what I'm saying? No half-stepping. Word. Weapon stepping to me. You know the outcome. <laughs> yeah. So, that gives you some type of framework of where I'm coming from, my, my my viewpoint on this battle. The first full-length KRS project I heard was Edutainment by BDP, Boogie Down Productions. My brother, my brother Cool, same Christmas, or should I say the Christmas after that, we went out to Nobody Beats the Wiz, and he just racked up on all the rap CD, I mean rap tapes. And one of the tapes he bought was Edutainment. And we, you know, which called, we just shared everything. So pretty much his his collection was my collection. My collection was his collection. 
we was like, shoot, uh, attached at the hip. You know, the only reason we're not attached to the hip now is just because fucking hips are getting cranky, creaky and shit. But, uh, yeah, so the standout track from that was Love's Gonna Get You. Love's gonna get you, love's gonna get you, lo lo love's gonna get you. <laughs> Got myself a Uzi and my brother a nine. <laughs> and uh, yeah, love's gonna get you was one of those when you heard when you heard the beat when you heard the bass. Doom, 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 doom. And the vivid imagery in the rhyme that he spit, you can, without even seeing the video, you could picture it in your mind exactly what he was saying, how he was growing up, his environment growing up, his situation with. He's trying to keep up with the Joneses and he starts slinging and dude was trying to go after his family and listen, no, literally listen at the end of this podcast because you'll know, you'll hear what I'm talking about. So, like I said, that's for the, I just said that little partial story to let y'all know where the vantage point I'm coming from. Now, as for the battle, now, yeah, I could go track for track, but everybody's going track for track. And the one thing that we pride ourselves of being here on the Salty Door to Donnie U podcast is being original, it's being unique, it's being slightly outside of the box. Matter of fact, fuck slightly, way outside the box. Because my shit just don't fit in anywhere. So... I'm just going to give y'all my feelings on the actual verses. Now, going into the verses and listening to very previews and listening to both artists' catalog prior to as much as it pained me to say it at the time, my thing was, yo, you saw me, you saw me fucking which guard fucking turning. You tried to sneak up on my ass. Yeah, hit my ass if you want. Anyway, you see, these are the spontaneous moments that's been missing, right? Anyway, so um. Yeah, so listening to both artists' catalog, I quickly realized, I'm like, yo, this might be a fucking blowout. A blowout in favor of KRS-One. Because KRS-One's catalog is way more vast than Big Daddy Kane. Especially, well, at the time I was thinking, especially prime KRS-One. He just has a lot more records. And I and me personally, I believe in its recorded form 
he probably would have won. But Versus is not, in this latest iteration of Versus, it's not about the recorded form. It's about the performance. And while it has been known for a long time, or shall I say it's been believed for a long time, that KRS-One is unmatched when it comes to performance, in this case, or in this instance, KRS-One lost by a big margin. First and foremost, now, they come out on stage. KRS-One comes out. Big Daddy came was supposed to come out. It was supposed to be, so, quote-unquote, technical difficulties and uh, KRS-One like, yo, fuck that. We starting now. Yo, Kid Capri. Let's go. And I'm like, yo, KRS on some bullshit already. Okay, I see what kind of a vibe this is. It's it almost seemed like ever since the verses between the locks and dipset, it's almost like people feel like the template is to copy off that vibe. And I really feel like that's farthest for the truth of what really needs to be done when it comes to the verses, especially especially it all depends on the matchup. So, but like I said, I'm thinking, I'm like, oh, shoot. Yo, KRS going to be on some bullshit. So he started, I'm number one, st still number one. I'm like, yeah, I mean, if you're a battle, battle rapper, battle period. Yeah, that's one of the best songs you could come out the gate with. But it was apparent that once Kane got on stage and, and let his off, and he let his off with just rhyming with the biz. Rest in peace to Biz Marquis. It's like, okay, yeah. It's going to be interesting. Because three songs in, KRS, KRS was out of, out of breath. A lot of Kane's songs, I won't even say it's double time, but it's fast, 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 fast. Wrath of Kane, roar. It got to the point that Big Daddy Kane, it seemed like strategically, would pick slower paced songs to allow his competition to keep up. Which I felt was nice and sweet of him. But yeah, that's, that's, that's how it started. And then something started becoming real apparent to me. Besides the fact that, yo, Donnie, you kind of fucked up on your little prediction, even though I really didn't predict anything to nobody. But I know who I thought I was gonna, who I thought was gonna win, and I'm like, oh, I'm up Shit's Creek. What be, what started becoming apparent was KRS. I don't know if it was arrogance. I don't know if it was nonchalance. I just couldn't put my finger on it. But when he was doing his songs, he was doing his songs in like a chatting, sing-songy way that really just like threw me off. Like, I, look, I, I mean, look, I know that's what you do with the performance and everything, but when Kane was spitting, Kane was spitting exactly like you remembered it. 
exactly like you wanted to hear it. Precise. Or the pronunciation on point. The breath control impeccable. And he was still styling on fucking stage. Like this that that was that was it for me. So when I hear KRS one like Black Hop Alright, that's that's a song that yeah, you're supposed to do that chatty shit. But then when you're when when you when you're doing criminal minded, you've been blinded, live on violence, all drugs and fun, they are the government. No, 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 no. That's not what the fuck I want to hear. That's not what the fuck a lot of people want to hear of our age. And then if you're trying to make yourself more accessible, or should I say, try to let the people know what was really about I mean, what this shit was really about. Then you sing the shit or you you rap the shit the way it was supposed to be fucking rapped. Not this this sing-songy chatty shit. That's the shit that that that's the shit, that's the one thing that just like really threw me off. Now, we could go to song selection. Or top of my head, because like I said, I'm doing this way off the, definitely off the top of my head. No patented notes. But the song selection, all right, KRS-One had still, all right, he did still number one. He did Criminal Minded. He said he did Black Cop. He did uh, Step Into the World. Great, but that was toward the later rounds. He did Jimmy. He did Super Hole. He did Love's Gonna Get You. He did Bridges Over. But once again, those are toward the later rounds. He brought, and this is another thing I'm gonna get into the the which called the guest appearances, the guest host. Karis One brought out Dodd's effects. They did a song together. Then they had they had a song. Um, then he brought out Mad Lion. Great. Then he brought out Buckshot. And a lot of people, I believe, didn't realize or recognize the connection of why he would bring Buckshot in because him and Buckshot actually had a joint project years ago. I forgot the name of the project, so please forgive me. But that's why that was the connection with between KRS and Duckdown uh, slash Buckshot. Now, the people that came brought out Kane brought out Nice and Smooth, whose appearance and demeanor was interesting, to say the very least. And they actually brought them out to sing a song that I did not think was actually going to be brought up in the battle. And that was Pimpin' Ain't Easy. Anything comes, anything goes when it comes to hoes. Oh, pimping ain't easy. Pimping ain't easy. <laughs> I swear. To show how creative we were when we was little, you know, motherfuckers used to remix the the the, the that song, Pimping Ain't Easy, to Chicken Ain't Greasy, Chicken Ain't Greasy. 
<laughs> hair ain't peasy, hair ain't peasy. You know, um, but yeah, I, I, I really didn't think they were going to go there. There's one line in particular that really made me not think, well, think that they wasn't going to go there. And that was um, Big Daddy Kane has a line that says, when it comes to trim, he takes it home a ragged. The Big Daddy Law is anti uh Tag it, rag it. <laughs> you get the point. I'm I'm just not gonna say that slur right now. Um he switched it up. Just the actual, just the whole thing of the song, I just didn't think they were gonna go there. You know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, then you got eleven, twelve, thirteen, you start to age, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, the pubic stage. Like an apple, like a cherry, like a peach, like a plum. Let me get off the version before I come. <laughs> like, really? Like, really? Fucking Smooth B. Smooth B. <laughs> yeah, Smooth B was bugging. They look kind of suspect. But when I say that song got me in so much trouble when I got that tape, and that, that song is from It's a Big Daddy Thing. When I say that song got me in so much trouble... When I was um when I when I was little, because I would be blasting it and it was just so profane and vulgar. My mom would be like, "What are you listening to?" I'm like, "Pimp it ain't easy, ma. Cut that shit off." I'm like, "All right, cut it down a little bit." <laughs> you know, so and then um and then they they spun into their the wick, you know um. That they have a gang star. But it only gang star. But it only short shot. You know, you know, but it only uh, nice and smooth. Pace, pace, pace. You know, but um, yeah. Then of course, Big Daddy Kane's selection, he didn't have a vast selection, but he performed the shit out of it. Let me still continue going down the line. So you had Wrath of Kane. You had Roar. You had It's a Big Daddy. No, no, no. You had Smooth Operator. You had Ain't No Half-Stepping. You had Young Gifted in Black, which is a classic. You had Mortal Kombat. Make you say. Make you say. Make you say, Daddy, I don't want none. Well, you know. Even though that was saying was taken from like 40 years ago shoot the Lewis snapback box hears that every time we have a sponsorship meeting make you say make you say make you say daddy I don't want none <laughs> you know um he put he, which go he, he performed the symphony and when he performed the symphony he brought out two members of the juice crew Craig G and Master Ace. It was also uh, announced that Coogee uh, Rap um, turned down the offer to come. He brought out Roxanne Shantae, gave her her props. So even when it came to guests, Kane one up. When they did the freestyles, 
Cain one up. So that's the, I'm not gonna lie. That start make me question the moment. It start making me question my hip hop card. Like, darn, you are you really you really bet against Big Daddy Kane. Big Daddy Kane is an artist that every single artist from Brooklyn originates from. All of them. Whether they want to believe it or not, whether they know it or not, whether they admit it or not, they all originate from Big Daddy Kane. First and foremost, without further ado, would be J motherfucking Z. You can go down the line. You, I mean, you had Granddaddy IU back in the day. Part of the fabulous, currently. His swag game originates from Big Daddy Kane. Jay-Z's swag, Jay-Z's demeanor, Jay-Z's um, intertwining of 5% information in his rhymes, Peace of the Nation of Islam, all that originates from Big Daddy Kane. So, like I said, for me to kind of like expect that Big Daddy Kane was actually going to come up short against, especially against somebody from the Bronx, the burnt down Bronx. Yeah, I, 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 I had to check myself, check myself at the motherfucking door. But yeah. It was just, it was, a, it was a beautiful thing. It was a beautiful thing. Like I said, I was going to go, I'm giving you my point of view, my views. And that's really the reason why I put this in the segment of Donnie doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Because yeah, I didn't know what the hell I was thinking. Like I said, I believe, I personally believe if it was recording versus recording, it would be it would have been close, but I would have gave the edge to Karis one for the amount of hits. Current, you know, uh, more, 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 more up to date hits, or re I won't even say relevant because what we witnessed with Big Daddy Kane that we didn't witness with Karis one, and I should say it wasn't so apparent. And I will give a shout out to the Mojo King and his partner, Willie, for mentioning this on their podcast, which I will plug in the plug section. Um, but we didn't witness the actual fall off of KRS-One. We've act we actually witnessed the fall off of Big Daddy Kane in real time. Like I said, you had ain't no half stepping. Then you had a Big Daddy thing, which was his like peak. Then he, I won't say he cooled off. Then he came back with Taste of Chocolate, which wasn't as good as a Big Daddy Kane. wasn't as good as a Big Daddy thing, but. He was still up there. He was still in your top 
three at that time. It was between him, G-Rap, and LL. Not in that order, but, well, should I say not in no particular order, but those are the three. Then he came with Prince of Darkness. And the Prince of Darkness was the beginning of the fall off. Because he started doing started doing more, leaning toward the more R&B stuff. He started singing. He had a song with Barry Wright. I believe this is right around the time that he did the, I think he did a Playgirl shoot, which was suspect because ultimately we know what Playgirl is usually about. I believe there was a rumor or facts. I'm not, I can't remember um, that there was a, which called he had a relationship or he started fucking around with Madonna. I mean, he was some more on some dark Gable shit, which was one of his AKAs at the time. So when he started leaning toward the singing and the R&B and the more mainstream, a lot of people was like, yo, where's that cane? Where's that, where's that rough, rugged and raw? Ha ha. Then he comes back with, looks like a job for. And I remember me and my brother, cool. We was like, yo, I bought, the, like I said, I was a cane. I was a cane fan. So everything he put out up until then I bought and I bought that and I listened to it. I tried to get into it. But it was just something wasn't, something was off. Something was off. It was the style at that time. Even though he could do the style, it seemed like it was forced. It was just off. And then that was it for Big Daddy came when it came to me. You know, if he had a guest appearance here and there, yeah, I listened to it. It was all right. But that was just me. So we, I personally saw how he was at his peak to me and then pretty much he was non-existent to me. KRS-One, who I wasn't as strong a fan of at that particular time, but to me, KRS-One was pretty much consistent. There was never a fall off. All right, yeah, you stopped hearing from him, but as recently as 2003 with me, when he had the little scuttlebutt with Nelly over the still number one song and he came out dropped this, this track and he let it be known that every year he has one rhyme written for the top mc just in case they have to get it so with that mentality in mind i just knew he was gonna come to this fucking battle for boy and he was bullshit he was bullshit not gonna get into the fashion not gonna get into this that and third because at the end of the day hip-hop that don't even give a fuck when it came to this if anyone talk about fashion, everybody knew Big Daddy Kane had to had which girl had to had the upper hand on that shit, right? Right. So, yeah, but yeah, it was it was it was it was a good it was a good time. It was a good time. Um, I wish this was one of the occasions I wish I was actually home for it instead of having to absorb it while I was doing my shoot job, which is a, whatever. But um, I still enjoyed it. You know, it was time that I, which car, I got him breaking. I came in the car and I heard it in the car speakers and just that concert feel in, in a car speaker with that boom, boom, boom just got me hyped. But yeah, it's, um, it's a good, it's a good thing. It was a good battle. I don't, once again, I don't know where they're going to go from here because I really feel that they're really running out of matchups.
there is one contender that um needs to be mentioned, or should I say that needs to step into the ring. But it seems like people are running scared from this man. And that man is Mr. Ra Ra himself, Buster Rhymes. Buster Rhymes has the catalog, has the relevance, and the performance to take damn near anybody out. Now, for joking's sake, people are like, yeah, yo, him and Jada, I'm picking Jada. Because Jada undefeated in, in verse E2 and O. And you know what the funny thing is? You, you, you think about, yeah, you underestimate. You learn, you can't never underestimate Jada Kiss when it comes to the verses. He got too many bags to pull from. But to me, that's not, that's not, a, that's not the, that's not the matchup that anybody should be. I don't even have a matchup in mind, but I just know Buster needs to be next in that ring. Now, I'm just going to. End it like this, in this segment like this, so Donnie doesn't know what the hell he's doing. With my little fantasy recap. And it's gonna be short and sweet. Donnie won. Donnie had a problem because Donnie backloaded his lineup. Donnie had about five of his eight slots for four o'clock games. So when the four o'clock slate of games came, Donnie was down about 50 points. And Donnie was feeling very anxious. Luckily, luckily for me, garbage, garbage time stats are not held against you. So thanks to a late amount of garbage time stats garnered by Noah Fant, the tight end of the Denver Broncos, your boy eked out. I believe a five point victory because in the four o'clock slates, I had five people and my opponent only had two. Did he have two? He had one. He had one. And that was Schultz from the Cowboys. Now, which kind of concerned me because on the Cowboys on my, on my lineup, I had Pollard. Yeah, I had Pollard and he had Schultz. So, during those drives, the drives to tie the game and the drives to eventually win the game, I was like, I was concerned, like, yo, they're about to give it to Schultz because Schultz is going to be the check down and my ass is going to be grass. Luckily, they put Pollard in, Pollard got it, got it a couple yards. I needed those, I needed those points. And C.D. Lamb slammed the door on the Patriots and also put a nail in the coffin against my opponent. So, yeah, that was great. That was great. So, yeah, so for all, everybody, like, oh, you know, you know, I'm tired of, I'm tired of Donnie talking about these fantasy shit. See, it was like nice and short and sweet. For, for all the people saying, oh, Donnie, talk about this. Donnie doesn't know what the hell he's doing. You know, I'm tired of this segment. Guess what? I fooled your asses because now you, you have 40 minutes of the fucking segment and I was talking about the verses. So, ah, ha. <laughs> well that brings us to the end of another edition of the salty thoughts of donnie Oop podcast a very fun edition if i do say so myself i once again would like to give a big thanks to the dozens and dozens 
Adani U listeners out there. You're very much appreciated by yours truly. As I said at the beginning of this podcast, I'm dropping again later on this week. The target is Friday. So sometime during Friday, Friday afternoon, Friday evening, look out for another edition of this podcast, with the second annual half-assed NBA preview. Yes, let me repeat that. The second annual Donnie's half-assed NBA preview. I personally feel that, or should I say, I personally felt that that deserved its own episode. Which is very, very funny. Because, as y'all know, since, I want to say since the end of the bubble, matter of fact, no, park that. Since midway during the playoffs, I've just been so negative and so bitter against the NBA. You probably figured, oh, Donnie ain't talking about the NBA. No, I am. I am. Trust me. During during the football regular season, it's probably just going to be, well, it's probably going to be football dominant here. But uh, I am going to be talking about the NBA because I have root and interest. Root for my New York Knicks, who's looking very promising after undefeated preseason. And I'm rooting for my Golden State Warriors, who, by the way, won last night in L.A. against the cocksucking Lakers and the LeBron James bandwagon. We won by, what, seven points, 114-107. But we came back. We down by 10. And we came back in the fourth quarter. Bust their ass. <laughs> so, yeah, that's just a preview of what's up, what's up coming on this Friday's second annual Donnie's half-ass NBA preview. Yeah. So, there's no reason for me to draw this out any further because... In another 24 hours, I'm going to have to start recording again. So, let's get this shit out the way. And you know what that shit is. Here come the plugs. Easytree.me slash Royal Donnie Ooh. Easytree.me slash Royal Donnie Ooh. For everything Donnie Ooh. This podcast you're listening to can be heard. From easytree.me slash Royal Donnie Ooh. Salty Daughter Donnie Ooh merch can be bought at easytree.me slash Royal Donnie Ooh. And last and certainly least, Donnie Ooh slash Donnie Al Ch- Donnie Chow music can be heard from easytree.me slash Royal Donnie Ooh. The Salty Thoughts of Donnie Ooh podcast is available on multiple streaming platforms. Spotify, Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, and a lot of podcasts and apps that if you go and put the 
fuck they call that shit? The RSS feed <laughs> in your little app. You can listen to me also. Yeah. So those are my plugs. Now with the rest. The Mojo King, part of the 19 Media Group. He has his podcast currently out entitled Hidden Gems Golf. A podcast talking about fantasy golf and the hidden gems that you can unearth and the money that you can hopefully put in your bank account. But this dude is better than himself twice. So he just dropped his newest podcast called Hip Hop Hidden Gems. Him and his partner, Willie Freeman, unearthed the backstories. They actually talked about the verses this past weekend. They gave a preview. And that's currently out now. Also on multiple streaming platforms, wherever podcasts are heard. As always, check out the homies from the Black Wrestling Podcast, the homie Kyle, Brother Fam, Math Drip. Check them out on YouTube, like, subscribe. And I believe I got through another plugging situation without fucking up. That's two for two. The fuck out of here. Wow. I'm on a roll. Before I go, as always, even though I've been neglecting to say it, wherever you hear my voice at, wherever platform you listen to me on, please like, subscribe, share at your own discretion, follow, all that other good shit, hit the notification button. So therefore, anytime I drop, and I drop a ragged, erratic like a motherfucker. Anytime I drop, y'all be notified that there's another edition of my salty ass coming on the way. And however that came out, is how it came out. <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to get out of here until Friday. Goodbye. Bye. Take the cake, but you can't get a crumb from the poetic, authentic, superior, ultimate, and all that good shit. I'm the original Asiatic, acrobatic, there you have it, not get dramatic, creating drama when I'm on the scene, and I pack a men mean, like Bruce Springsteen, I provide a style that's mild and meanwhile, put on trial of rap, pile of exile, make it tumble and stumble, and a bubble just crumble, and I'm still calm and humble, you need another helping hand to swing on, I stand alone, but still you gotta bring on your Batman and Robin, Cagney and Lacey, Starsky and Hutch, but they still can't face me. And if I may make this one thing here clear, that's for you not to come near. Period. For I ain't bucking or delirious. My swift tongue's like a sword, that's how the bear it is. And I can slice and dice a bishop rice MC that thought he was nice into minute rice. Single-handed, I ain't with that band stuff. Cause see a scratch a record like flakes of dandruff. And the mic I ravaged, not 
like a savage, but in my own way of doing damage as I design a genuine line. Now who flat top rules in 89? Warm it up, gang. Warm it up. Tell me, but can't stop the bum rush. I make material rich and imperial. The unique technique I speak is all original. You like to sag and drag and gag. Same old, same old, but Papa's got a brand new bag. So put the mic down, boy, you can't work it. Do the whack lyrics, it's about to short circuit. So toss the source, of course, to the boss. No remorse, you're lost with force. I cause a holocaust. First I caught you, then put you to torture. You move wrong, my son, so I torture. Just like a guardian. And put your body in the move, the groove with the smooth way that I'm partying. Competition may find it spectacular. Scheme and fiend to take a bite like Dracula. And waste the taste, cause ain't no sugar here So come near if you dare, you booger beer You start hallucinating like magic The rap gets tragic and can't won't have it Cause you tried to juice me when you're bluffing Slowed the pace so I had to start rushing So pick a BC date cause you're history Here comes Kane, Scoop, Scrap, J and Mr. C And this is one thing to us, we ain't noodle The cruel cast fell in the crowd just like voodoo I'm the man you can't hold back And all competition appeared to be weak I meant to say whack, a vision of blur Just a thinking I'm competing, I say ha For 89, you know what I'm saying? As I give a shout out to my man Tony A, Tony P, Sally Sal, and the whole Libra Digital Posse. Can't forget my man Yarn Ski and Smoother Marble, you know what I'm saying? Also, I gotta say what's up to Born True, B-Boy, and my man Big JC. The whole rest of the crew, school lover, my brother, scrap lover, and DJ Mr. C. Can't forget Supreme, Abu, Mel and Shabazz, Wally D, and the rest of the brothers. And of course, my little brother, the little daddy Shane, mandatory. We ended the story, you know what I'm saying? Peace. Start it, cause where I'm at, it 
us off your loss To stay on course means to roll with force A boy named Rob is chilling in a Benz In front of my building with the rest of his friends I give him a pal, oh I mean I shake his hand He's the neighborhood drug dealer, my man I go upstairs and hug my mother Kiss my sister and punch my brother I sit down on my bed to watch some TV Do my ears deceive me? Nope, that's the fourth time this week Another fast brother shot dead in the street The very next day while I'm off the class My moms go to work cold busting her ass My sister's cute but she got no gear I got three pairs of pants with my brother Ashir So they're in school, see I made a fool With one and a half pair of pants you ain't cool But there's no dollars for nothing else I got beans, rice, and bread on my shelf Every day I see my mother struggling Now it's time, I've got to do something I look for work, I get Down and began to shout, Come on, I got him. It's time. 
vocabulary like you're addicted to it. It sneaks right up and takes you right out. 